You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, at the risk of stating the obvious, we are bound together here this morning by many things, many common things, but one thing is for sure. Everybody here, at some point or another, has, is, will experience stress, anxiety, worry. It, it's, it's just common to all of us. Some of you are worrying and are stressed right now. I've no doubt about that. I know pastorally that's the case with some of you. Uh, stressed about health, about relationships, about work. All kinds of factors contribute to us having stress, stress and, and worry within our lives. And the big difference, of course, is how people handle the stress that inevitably comes. That's the point of differentiation. Now, the treatment and the control of stress is a huge health issue in this country. Um, and those of you in the medical profession will say amen to that. Uh, the Australian newspaper in November last year uh, did an article in which they said that the, uh, the consumption of antidepressants had doubled in Australia in the last decade. They also said that for whatever reason, doctors are more inclined to write prescriptions for antidepressants these days than ever. I don't know, we can go into that. Maybe it's because there's not enough time to talk. Maybe the old style doctor talk you through some of the stress these days is much quicker with the next patient waiting, just take this. But it's doubled in the last 10 years. That is a staggering statistic. It's also an indication of the rising levels of stress that many, many people are facing in the face of rapid societal changes and the pace of life, particularly in a city like Sydney. And, and, and the growing complexity of life. I mean, we just have so many things we've got to get our heads around these days. So many issues that once were pretty straightforward, now there's heaps of shades of grey. Stress management is a big issue in society, but among the people of God, for people who are seeking to follow Jesus, members of the body of Christ, it's of special significance for us, it requires close attention because, here's the reason, how we handle stress and anxiety in our lives has the potential, watch this, the potential to either strengthen or weaken our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I mean, it's that critical. And I say that having observed hundreds and hundreds of Christians over the years in my, in my uh, various churches where I've ministered. How we handle stress from a faith perspective will it, it'll either take us to deeper, deeper levels of intimacy and reliance on God or to a place of doubt and fear and distrust. And the, and the obvious question is, where do you want to be? I mean, where do you want to be of those two alternatives? Do you want to be living in victory do you want to be living in, in joy and fulfilment or do you want to be living in despair and defeat? It, it, it gets down to that. Where do you want to live? Which, which area of life and existence do you want to be in? To a very large extent, the, those outcomes in response to that are, are determined by our responsiveness, our openness to God through the Holy Spirit in this area of stress management. Does it surprise you to know there are specific instances in the Word of God 
where worry and stress not only prevented people from experiencing the blessings of God, but prevented them from actually experiencing his salvation. Worry and stress can and will do that to you. Let me give you three examples. Let me take you back to the parable of the sower, one of the best known of all the parables of Jesus, the parable of the sower. You know, where a guy goes out and he he starts sowing seed and he's throwing it everywhere and it's landing on different kind of surfaces. Have a listen to what Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. He's giving an explanation to the disciples on the, on the, uh, the parable of the sower, what it, what it all means. And he says this in verse 18. Other, other people are like the seeds sown among the thorn bushes. These are the ones who hear the message. So that part's okay. But worries about this life, the love of riches and all other kinds of desires crowd in and choke the message and they don't bear fruit. Worries of this world quench the action of the Spirit. There's one example. What about the rich young ruler? And Jesus, for that man, and it was just for him, or at least in that instance, it was specifically for him. It's not prescriptive for everybody. But Jesus said, sell all you have. Just get rid of the whole lot and give it to the poor. Because Jesus knew that that was that man's problem. His his point of vulnerability was in the size of his bank account. And Jesus says, let's get rid of that, then we can do business. We can start to see where your heart really is. He'd ask the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, look, sell all you have, give to the poor. And the Bible says the man went away sorrowful. Like he passed up eternal life. And the Bible adds, because he was very rich. So here's a guy who clearly, the worry about what it would like to see his bank account and his shares go from this to this, he passes up eternal life for that. Amazing. What about Mary and Martha? We looked at them a few weeks ago in another series. Uh, Martha receives a firm rebuke. These are two sisters and they host Jesus in their home. And Martha receives a firm rebuke from Jesus because she failed to see the significance of the moment. In that moment, she got her priorities very badly skewed. It was an opportunity to learn from Jesus. She passed it up. And what does Jesus say in Luke chapter 10, verse 41? Luke 10, 41. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried. Here it is. You are worried over so many things, but just one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the right thing and it will not be taken from her. Friends, three three examples, three of many examples from the scriptures where worry made the difference between receiving the blessing of God and in a couple of cases receiving salvation itself. Wow, that's why we're looking at this topic today. Let's start to unpack some things. Let's remind ourselves that at the heart of most anxiety is fear. It's great to know what you're up against. You know, People say, oh, I've got worry, i got stressful. Okay, let's look at what are you up against? You're up against fear. That's the main, that's at the heart of most forms of anxiety. Fear of the unknown, fear of the consequences, fear of the outcome. If I'm anxious about flying, I've got a fear that the plane's going to crash. I know what that's like. For years, I was a a chronic, nervous flyer. And if you're like that, it is a terrible place to be. And I really feel for you. My word would be, stay with it. Keep flying. Keep, it gets better as you go along. (laughs) That's been my story anyway. If it's a pre-exam anxiety, it's fear of failure. 
If it's worry and stress over work, it's fear of retrenchment or fear of not picking up something if I choose to leave. If it's marriage stress, it's fear of being alone or fear of the consequences if you stay together. What's that going to be like? If it's stress in relationships, it could be fear of rejection. If it's financial stress, it's fear of not being able to provide, not being able to get, get by in material terms. If it's stress and anxiety in relation to health, it's fear of severe disease, fear of death itself. At the heart of most forms of anxiety is fear. That's the enemy we have to contend with now. Here's the big now. For the person of faith, for the one who believes in the power of God through Jesus Christ and who's seeking to follow him, the greatest weapon against fear is trust. That's the greatest weapon we have as the people of God against fear. Trust in God now. Whoa. Let's just pause a moment. How has that phrase been misused among the people of God over the years? How it's been used so casually, so loosely. I would even say how it's been used so recklessly. Just trusting God. It'll be okay. Don't worry. Just give it all over to God. It sounds spiritual. It sounds like the right thing to say. And look, it, it is. It is the right thing to say. It is the right thing to say. But it depends on what we mean by trusting God. Let me give you a few things that it doesn't mean. Trusting in God is not sitting back, hands off the wheel, expecting others to pick up the pieces. That's not trusting God. I've seen some examples of that. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to worry or stress. I'm just going to forge ahead and just see what happens. People are going, be careful. No, I'm just going to go ahead. At the same time, trusting as God is not acting like we're totally bereft of the ability to think and to plan and to act. I'm not anxious, even though people are trying to help me. I haven't studied for this exam, but look, just going to see how it goes. Just trusting God. In other words, trusting God is not behaving irresponsibly in the belief Somehow God will work it out. And over the years of my ministry, I've seen lots of examples of this. Back in Adelaide, for a number of years, our church was the home base of a, a Christian uh, itinerant group. Uh, they, would, they would take young people in vans all across South Australia, all across Australia, actually, you know, in what was a very good ministry. They'd visit schools and they'd visit prisons and churches and so on. And they were based at our church I won't tell you what form of the arts they performed in because you, that would give it away. And, uh, the, these messages go on a wide, uh, to a wide audience. And it's not a criticism. Well, it is a criticism, I guess. We worked with this group when I was ministering with them. But they had very little money. They took great pride in the fact that it was a faith-based ministry. And some of our volunteer mechanics at the church, uh, my, last, my last church had stacks of mechanics, stacks of plumbers. Stacks of carpenters. This church is very different. <laughs> you all know plumbers. You all know carpenters. <laughs> but uh, these mechanics would check on the vans. And at times they uncovered some very serious faults with these vans. I can recall one incident where one of our guys said, listen, you've got real problems with this van. There's steering problems. There's brake problems. Why haven't you told us about this before? And the, the director of the group, I can still hear him saying, he said, look, I know we just, look, we're just trusting God to get us to these places. We're just putting our faith in him that he'll provide. 
Like, that's not trusting God. That is irresponsible behavior, particularly when you're dealing with young, with young lives. Another occasion here in Sydney, in this church, I had the opportunity to minister to a guy who's, who, with a pastor of his previous church, had supposedly had a vision that this man should increase, dramatically expand his business, dramatically expand the business. And the basic benefits were going to be twofold. Number one, he was going to be blessed as a result of expanding the business. Number two, coincidentally and wonderfully, the ministry was going to be able to be blessed in a new way as well. So the guy did this. And against the advice of accountants and other savvy business people, he expanded this business dramatically overnight, took on new people, just trusting God, it will be okay. You can probably see where this is going. He, he, he lost that business. And he came to us here at Northside, quite a shattered man, barely hanging on to his faith. We had him for about maybe 12 months. I tried to keep contact. I don't know where he is today. That experience, for all I know, may well have cost him his faith. Look, here's the thing. The greatest weapon we have as Christians as we seek to cope with worry and anxiety is trust. And guys, what I've got for you in the remaining moments is this. To me, trusting God involves a series of what I call faith assertions or affirmations. These are drawn from numerous examples in the scriptures. And uh, they're practical. They're the sort of statements that should be put on little 3M stickers around our homes. Back in the 70s, there was a thing called self-talk. Anybody remember the 70s? <laughs> a couple of you. <laughs> self-talk was where you had all these little stickers. Uh, I'm a great person. I'm going to have a fantastic day. Huh? Brian, you with me? And you stick all these around and, and have them on your, on your mirror first thing in the morning. It was called self-talk. It's gonna, just going to be real positive. Well, maybe these things are worthy. Uh, I, I don't have them stuck in my... I'm in my home, but I have them here, and I have them here. And the first one is this. I am not designed to live in a permanent state of anxiety. You've got to say that, and you've got to believe that. Now, that's as much a medical statement as it is a theological statement. Because, I mean, the wear and tear in our bodies through stress is well documented. It's there for all to see. It's a... Some medical professionals put it as high as you know, 70, 80% of all complaints and diseases can be attributed in some way to stress and anxiety. But the damage to our spiritual natures can be far more severe. That's where the real damage can be done. If you've heard me preach on stress before, and many of you have if you've been travelling with us for a while, you've heard me quote Dr. E. Stanley Jones. And I don't think I'll ever preach a message on stress without quoting this man this, to me, I don't know where he was when he was given this insight, but it's been written down. It's in one of his books, and it's just absolutely G-O-L-D gold. Dr. E. Stanley Jones, he was one of the great missionaries and ministers of the 20th century um, in America, born in Maryland. And this is what he said in a book back in the, uh, in the latter part of last century. He said, we are inwardly fashioned for faith, not fear. Fear is not our native land. Faith is. He says, we are so made that worry and anxiety are like sand in the machinery of life. He pictures somebody in a bit of intricate machinery and they're just letting sand go into it like that. Imagine what that does with the cogs, you know. He says, faith is the oil. 
I live, we live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt and anxiety. In anxiety and worry, our being is gasping for breath. These are not our native air. But but in faith and confidence, we breathe freely. These are my native air. These are our native air, he says. We are inwardly constructed in nerve and tissue, brain, cell and soul for faith, not fear. God made us that way. To live by worry is against reality. Get your head around that. To live by worry is against reality. It's against how we've been designed by God. That's the first affirmation. Stick it up. Get it somewhere prominent. Here's the second one. I won't be surprised when faced with stressful situations. I won't be, oh, where'd that come from? Why me? What's, that? What's going on? I won't be surprised. It's, this is a huge part of the battle when it comes to the control of stress and worry. The realisation that being alive on planet Earth, it's inevitable. You're going to have situations that are going to be very stressful and very, and very worrisome. Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble. That's it, period. Fortunately, he added, be not afraid. I have overcome the world. Follow me and you're on the victory side. Here's the third faith affirmation. I won't confuse escape from worrying circumstances with strength for worrying circumstances. See, the only prayer a lot of Christians pray is, Lord, get me out of this. Lord, deliver me from this. Lord, remove this problem. Now, look, it's okay to pray like that. And we must and we do and we need to. But following on from the, from the last point about the inevitability of problems, sometimes a more appropriate prayer is, Lord, get me through this. Lord, give me the strength to bear this disappointment, to press on despite this setback, to keep going even though I want to quit. You see, in Philippians 4.13, Paul doesn't say, I don't have to face anything because Jesus has delivered me. He doesn't say that. He says, no, I can do, I can face all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's strength for the journey, strength as I'm moving along. Here's the fourth affirmation. In God's strength, I will try and ascertain what is my part in a worrying situation and what is the part only he can play. Now, friends, you realise this is getting to the heart of what we're saying this morning. I mean, this is the real crux of the matter. This requires spiritual discernment. This requires maturity in Christ. This calls for industrial strength, trust, to make the distinction. What am I meant to do in this situation and what can only God do? Should I be praying about the stresses and strains of life? You bet. You've got to bathe these situations in prayer. Because in the process of praying, here's what happens. We get insight into the part we should be playing. I know that's been the testimony of many of you. In prayer, Okay, yeah, thank you, God. I can do this. And you also get insights as you pray in the stressful situations. You get insights. Actually, we're inviting God. We're inviting him into the situation to do what only he can do. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. Like when I'm supporting people about, for instance, um, employment, you know, somebody's out of a job or they're seeking a new job, I I will urge them, if all things being considered, to just, you know, do as much as they can. Seek.com, get out there, put your CV out everywhere, <laughs> choose the areas, you know, just go for it. But also say, but allow God to do what only he can do. 
and be open and receptive to that chance, that chance meeting, that surprising phone call, that email. Whoa, where did that come from? That's exactly what, you know, and some of you have been there. You know what that's like. like God, only God can kind of do those kind of things. Go be ready for that. When, when I, I pray with people in, in hospital, and some of you have, have been on the receiving end of a prayer like this, we, we thank God, you know, in the healing process, we thank God for all that's happening with the, the medical staff, the nursing, the, the, the support of friends and family and so on. And then, Lord, thank you for that thing which we cannot describe, but we know is real, that special work of your Holy Spirit in the healing process. And we always acknowledge that. But like, to, to not acknowledge the other things is crazy. To not acknowledge the medical team, the, 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 the love of family and friends, that's, that's inadequate. But at the same time, must acknowledge that there are things that happen in the healing process that are beyond description, that only he can do. And that's the special work of his Holy Spirit in healing. It happens every time. I mean, most preachers, like I, I get to a point with a sermon where um, you go through a bit of stress with, with preaching, with, uh, particularly when, you know, late Friday, you've still got a blank page. That's fairly stressful uh, because it's a bit like sort of sitting for your final exams. Like you've got to have something on the day. Uh, I'm not one of those ministers who can get up and say, you know what, I've had a shocking week. Can we just kind of share a few things and pray a little bit? <laughs> I may do that one week. I haven't had to do it in 40 years of ministry, but I know colleagues who have. But, you know, like... It's a stressful, but I get to a point where I say, Lord, I'm not worrying about this anymore because I've done as much as I can. Now it's over to you to do with it what you will. And it's amazing the feedback you get as preachers. I've had people say to me, you know, that message really helped me, Graham, in this, this, and this, and this. I say, oh, that's wonderful. I wasn't even talking about that. wasn't even talking about that sort of issue. But somehow God took what I was saying and applied it in a situation that I wasn't even aware of. It's fantastic. You know? and, and as Christians, we discern what is, what is it that I can do. And in preaching, prepare your best, do your best, do the homework, do the research, get, get it all nailed down. But be aware that there is something that only God can do. It's a principle that applies in all areas of life. Guys, here's the last affirmation, number five. Look at this. I will affirm peace with God is my destiny. If I was an African-American preacher, I might get you to sort of say that after me. Say after me, come on, peace. We're not going to do that. But, you know, that's a great preaching technique of the African-American preacher. I will affirm, peace with God is my destiny. And anything that robs me of that peace in an ongoing way, in other words, in a permanent, debilitating way, is not his perfect will for my life. I, I believe that with all my heart. So if you're saying to me, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always stressed and worried, I'm family and things, well, that is not where God wants you to be. It's, I can say that on the authority of the word of God. I believe that. Gets back to the first affirmation. We're not designed to be burdened. We're not designed to be burdened with stress all the time. It'll happen, but not all the time. That's not our destiny. We are inwardly fashioned for faith, not fear. In faith and confidence, we, we breathe easily. That's our native air. Friends, these five affirmations can be life changers. Like, like, like they have been for me, you know. Uh, I've, I've approached the issue of worry from all different angles over the years with preaching. This is a fresh, a fresh approach. I've not preached with those five affirmations before, but I got to thinking, what, what have been the things that have helped me, praise God, to be a reasonably worry-free person? 
there they are. Now, I'm praying that I haven't trivialised the reality of stress this morning for anybody because it is real. It's very, very real. And I don't want to uh, provide simplistic answers to very complex issues. And I hope we haven't done that this morning. What I've tried to do is offer practical, hands-on tools in the battle against worry. You'll never eradicate worry this side of heaven, but you can manage it better. You can manage it better so that, so that you're with Jesus. You are, you know, I can do all things through Christ. It's that combination. I want to give the final word to Jesus by way of summary. Couldn't think of a better summary for this message. Have a look at this, John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world does. I really love that. Do not be worried and upset, neither be afraid. You want a summary for the message? There it is right there. Life's too short to be permanently in the mode of worry and anxiety. I love that piece here. I give not as the world gives it. The world says, take a pill. Go away for the weekend. Forget about it. Just pretend it's not happening. The world says, just drink a bit more. Get out a bit more. Just let your hair down a bit more. You just forget. Jesus says, I give it not as the world gives it. That's not how I give peace. My peace is from within, despite surroundings and despite circumstances. It's not escape from stress. It's power to live through stress. There's the difference.